All right? Yeah. Be careful, man. You're being recorded. What's up? Uh, Andrew Ginsberg, the Village Idiot Comedy Show at oh, wow. Juke Bar. It's happening? Every Wednesday it's happening. We're live, dude. We're live, dude. Nice, we're man. Let's get straight into it right here. Wow. Oh, look at that. I cleaned your side of the table, bro, but like, look where I stopped. So, <laughs> my bad. I appreciate the water, man. It's like, this oh, is legit. Man. Yeah, this is uh, legit. We bring the water. I brought dude. this freaking can of pineapple juice. That is amazing. Yeah, that's pretty. That? I was like, I don't know if, we, if he's going to have water look readily at the available. That's on that. So you're a big pineapple juice guy? No, I just was feeling it because it's really nice out. And I was like, it's a good day to sip on some pineapple yeah, juice. Nice. Do you ever drink pina coladas? I used to. I don't drink anymore. I used to. Oh, what? Any specific instance that you saw? Uh, I'm just like a raging alcoholic or whatever, so I, uh, I don't drink anymore. It's been like a year and eight months, you know, since I've had a drink. But I do miss like a pina colada. I used to like to sit on the beach, have a sip, be like Jimmy Buffett, eat a cheeseburger. So now I'm, I'm doing pineapple juice. The thing is with pina coladas, though, and I want to get back to why you're not drinking. The thing <laughs> with pina coladas, bro, like you have one of those and that's just a full meal. Like uh-huh. that, that could be your dinner. You know, what are we a talking about? Eight, yeah. 800 cows. Thousands. Freaking <laughs> million grams of sugar. 4,000 grams of sugar. A little protein there. Yeah. But, you know, when, when Jimmy Buffett sang songs like, you know, I'm just going to sit on the beach all day and drink pina colada after pina colada, you know, the caloric intake that he was describing, I think, is often uh, yeah, he might be fronting with overlooked. Drinking all, yeah, with the, drinking all those pina coladas. So yeah. why, are you not, um, why are you not drinking anymore? Uh, why am I not drinking anymore? Reference? I stopped drinking a while back because it was like ruining my life. Because I drank for like a decade. Like hardcore, multiple times a week partying. Well, you're around the same age as me, right? Thirty. I'm thirty three. Okay, well, yeah. we're around the same age. Yeah, yeah, I guess that is uh, in the yeah, range. So <laughs> it was, I guess, college. You were drinking a lot. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? I went to a college called Montclair State University in New, New Jersey. Jersey. Okay. Yeah. So that's a very a prestigious school. That, that was a big like party time in your life, and you were drinking heavily four or five nights a week, something like that, or even yeah. Like, I would say most eras of my life were big party times, but college, yeah, college was, I guess, like everybody, that was the biggest. I guess in terms of duration, because in college I would drink like till like seven in the morning all the time. Oh wow! You know what I mean? But uh, I always partied a lot. I always partied hard, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know you what I mean? in college. And I think, like, <laughs> I got a lot of that maybe out of me in college, like, probably the same thing you were talking. Or, or I mean, it, it continued after college yeah. for the most part for you. So, like, I remember there would be times when there was this thing called Nickel Night at UConn. And oh. basically, from the hours of, like, 6 to 7.30 p.m., yeah. you could get four drinks for a dollar. Nice. So when we were like 19 and 20 years old, underage, I used to play tennis um, on the tennis team at UConn. We would go from like 5.30, sprint back to our dorms, shower yeah. five minutes, and sprint down to the bar. Because that's like the only time you can get into the bar. Right. Like right when it started. That's on when like the underage kids uh, can drink. So we'd have like 15 drinks each. Me and my buddies who were 19, 20, and then we'd be <laughs> blacked out, shoes on, lights on, passed out in our beds by 8 p.m. Sure, which I think is pretty typical of, like, the average college experience. You know what I mean? There's always, like, places like that. Like, me and all the guys went to the bar and had 50% off night. And I did that stuff, too, in college. I think as I got into, like, my mid-20s and then eventually my my 30s, that's when I was like, why am I the oldest guy here? Why am I still up? And why am I, you know, and it's just, it was, it was more negative than positive in the end. Did you find that you were drinking a lot, like, during comedy shows and stuff like that? Or it was just, like, going out to the bar with your college and maybe high school friends? Dude, it's funny that you say that because, like, I, I pretty much quit drinking, like, around the time the pandemic started. Yeah, that's kind of the math. I was yeah, yeah. And before that, like, before the pandemic, my stand-up was all... Like, my whole stage persona, because I, I was, like, 50, 60 pounds heavier than I am now. I had, wow, like, a big, really? giant beard. Yeah, I used to chain smoke. And so my whole stage persona was, like, look at me. Like, I'm a, you know, I'm a mess. Like, I got a drink. And and so, uh, yeah, I would say, like, yeah, when I would do anything, like, 
some show or mics or anything. I was always like kind of, I wasn't always drinking, but it was a huge part of like my, who I was and my identity. And then since giving it up, I kind of had to like, I'm trying to rethink what I even talk. I'm still working on it. So it's like, I'm trying to tough to not drink, uh, during the pandemic or kind of, when did you stop drinking? Like, did you have to go to meetings or stuff like that? Or you kind of just stopped cold Turkey? Mm. Uh, so during the pandemic, so when it first happened, right? Like, like March March 2020, I went to Keyport, New Jersey for three months. My buddy had an apartment there. He wasn't there. He was. Sorry, was that where your family was? Nah, my family is from New Jersey, but that's not where they are. They live in like South Jersey somewhere. Uh, they're retired and old and stuff. Um, but I grew up near Keyport, and uh, I had a a buddy who was on a business trip or something at the time that the pandemic started, and he was just gonna uh, stay where he was at, which was Hawaii. And his apartment was open, so I went there to Keyport, New Jersey, and I was there for three months. And I didn't see a single person during that three months, pretty much, like a couple people here and there, but I was kind of isolated and alone. And during that time, I started flirting with the, I didn't, I wasn't partying because I was alone. And when I did party, I was like, I'm just drinking by myself, I guess, on a Zoom call. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of flirted with the idea of stopping. Then when I went back to the city in June 2020, just went back into my old lifestyle right away. And then I was like over it. And by September, I didn't, I didn't go to meetings. I actually used a, uh, this is very corny and cheesy. I'm embarrassed to say, but it's all right. It helped me. There's this thing called one year, no beer. It was this like online community of people that quit drinking. That was more like not centered around God and stuff. It was more around like psychology and like behavioral adjustment. So I joined that. I, uh, started talking to a therapist. I, uh, I did like actively work on not drinking each day in the especially in the beginning. I talked to other people that wanted to stop and stuff too, but I, so, yeah, I guess the answer to your question is, yeah, it was kind of formalized like that. Yeah, well, Was beer your drink of choice or that's what just the group was called? That's just what the group is called. That's funny. Uh, I don't know. It's, I guess, because it's like a British company. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's good. But what was your drink of choice? Beer. Yeah, so it, it was anyway. I mean, I drink, my whole thing was like I used to drink like 25 beers. And towards the end, I was a wino. Whoa. So, like, in a night, you'd be drinking 25 beers? Something yeah, like I was that? always pounding beers. So, I, I mean, I guess stopping drinking 25 beers that in itself would just help you lose so much weight right like yeah. not even going to the gym yeah at first i didn't go to the gym i didn't or i didn't do anything i just stopped drinking and i lost like 20 pounds that that is true and then once i started like just kind of losing weight just by existing i was like maybe i could like lose a little more or, like get you know start maybe i could do something i've never been able to do before like run you know i didn't go for my first run until i was 31 or something like that and now are you running consistently yeah now i run like like five to ten miles every day Wow. Yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah, so thanks. Andrew Ginsberg here My on health the right, nut. by the way. Obviously, guys, <laughs> as you know, I introduced him very well in the beginning of the episode. But I saw Andrew on the street when we were doing Ted Jones' vlog, <laughs> running around asking everybody what their body count was. Uh, this was like two or three weeks ago. I saw you on the street with some liquid death water. Yeah. It was like a 12-pack of water. It was, it was, it was actually like a... Was it a 12-pack? Yeah. It was a, Something it was a, like that. Like, was, you figure somebody who's carrying, like, a 12-pack of cans is, <laughs> like, a full beer run. But no, man, just clean water. Dude, that was so funny was when crazy. I ran into you. Yeah, I, I, it, I was like, I'm carrying a 12-case of liquid death. That was the first time I'd ever bought a 12-case of liquid death. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, like, embarrassing. I just saw it. I was like, I was like, this would be a cool thing to have in the house. Yeah, right, right. Like, you know what I mean? Because, like I, like I said, I don't drink. So I'm always looking for things that look like beer. So when people come over, I can chill. Yeah. It's, like, a ritual type thing. And it was funny because, like, I, I ran into you. I, I, I was in a deep conversation with my friend about some serious topic on, my, on the phone and I just look up and there's like cameras in my face and it's you <laughs> and I was like oh and I'm carrying the liquid death yes. I'm talking about philosophy with somebody I, I went to high school with and I was like what the fuck is happening that was pretty cool so do you drink seltzers yeah also? millions dude the, the funniest thing 
I, I crush. I, I drink like if I go to like a party or I'm chilling with my friends on the weekends or something after comedy in my apartment, I'll drink like 30. Like I'll still drink like 25 spin drifts or something like I that. I love it. So maybe it's the <laughs> maybe it's the bubbles you really still like, too, because I enjoy I, I enjoy it. good bubbles like that. Also, like I probably drink now once every two weeks, maybe yeah. I'll drink like once a month. But I mean, the most I'll drink is probably once every two weeks. Right. And then back, you know, probably like five or six years ago, I remember I was drinking three or four nights a week like. I used to work at my dad's company before I like started doing comedy full time. Yeah. And in the six years that I worked at my dad's company, there was probably a handful of times where I legitimately showed up hungover yeah. to work and like people would notice how I looked and like, that's the worst fucking thing you could do. Yeah. Showing up hungover to your dad's company. Like, <laughs> that's not something you want to do. Well, that's a bad look. Cause then you're like, yeah. you're like the, the dad's the son. Dad's, yeah, exactly. yeah. Look well, what he thinks he could do. I mean, it was, yeah. It was like a, it was a double negative in that situation. And, and I think like, over the past few years, weed has taken that place for right. me, um, you know, in instead of alcohol. So Same. I smoke weed probably every day where I was maybe drinking four or five nights a week. But the thing was, it was like the hangover mm-hmm. that really got me. And it took me longer and longer the older that I got to kind of recover from drinking the night before. It would be like a <laughs> yeah. 72-hour hangover, which I'm sure you realize in general. Was, was there like an alcohol that you drink that you'd be like, I cannot do this. That the hangover is just too bad. Yeah. But I mean, towards the end, it was all of them. That was, that was the first thing was like hang my hangovers. Once I, I remember specifically once I hit like 27, I, after my 27th birthday, I like no longer, I, I was always hung over. Like if I had like three beers, I was like really hung over. So it didn't matter if I drank like three beers or 20 beers or a glass of wine or two bottles of wine. I'm hung over. Like, so hungover the next day where I, like, couldn't do anything. You know what I mean? So that, yeah, your body starts to deteriorate. And when I went to, I got, like, a physical when I was, like, 30. I went to the doctor. And they were like, yeah, like, your liver's all messed up. That's why your hangovers are so bad because you're partying too much. So I can totally uh, relate to that. And just a quick thing about work going into a company hungover. It's funny. Like, when I was way younger, like, early 20s, I worked for this book publisher when I was right out of college. And I worked with one of my buddies from home. And what we used to do was, like, we'd go out for happy hour after work on, like, a Thursday, right? And then we'd, like, drink at the happy hour. And then the bar would close, but we didn't, we didn't live. It was in Hoboken, New Jersey. We didn't live there. So we would be unable to get back into the suburbs where we lived. So we'd just grab a 30 case and drink outside the office building all night long. And, you know, and, 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 and this, was, this was 2011, you know? So it's, like, I used to wear, like, dress clothes and Wait, stuff. Wait, so you drink the 30 outside the office after happy hour? No after happy hour. around, whatever. You drink that 30, and then, what, you go home at 10, 11 p.m.? No, that's the thing. So it's, it, it, it is like midnight now, and now we're grabbing the 30 case to go. Oh, so you go from happy hour to midnight. Yeah, bar closes, <laughs> get packaged goods to go. We're wearing, like, dress clothes because everybody still dressed like that back then for work. And then... Uh, like the tie's a little bit loose. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, it's like around your pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we, we, would, we would... Then we go to... In Hoboken, there's this really beautiful pier right in front of where the office was. And we would drink on the pier, me and my buddy Tom, all night long until the sun rose. So it's like 6 a.m., and then we'd switch clothes and then go back to work. So there were some <laughs> nights where you would just pull an all-nighter. And all, the time we, all the time. I, mean, I was like 22, 23. Yeah, but yeah. Damn. Yeah. So you just had a body ready for drinking. I was a machine. I, I feel like I was a machine. A lot, of, a lot of us were like that at that age yeah. where we could do stuff like that. Where yeah. you just punish your body. And then they say like, I mean, the 20s is a major time for you to freaking make or break your life, I guess they say. Do you find that alcohol in general helped you get into comedy? How did that start? Dude, it's a good question. I don't think alcohol helped me with comedy really at all. Um, Some people would say like maybe when you get on stage, you'd be a little bit looser. Whatever, yeah. you don't give as much of a shit, but right. it didn't help you. 
I think it, it creates the illusion that it's helping you. Like, I think there was times I thought maybe I was killing when I wasn't or that I had a set that was good when it wasn't. You know, I, I think that it, it kind of had like, it was like a false pretense, I think. I think, it, yeah, for sure. It helped me come over nerves and stuff like that, especially in the beginning. But I don't think it helped me get serious about comedy. Like, I don't really feel like I even started doing comedy until after I quit drinking. Like, because I'm, I'm still discovering my identity and like who I am on stage now. I really didn't know. But my relationship with comedy was like, I was really into comedy when I was a kid. Like when I was, a, you know, I was like a theater kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> who come on the podcast, just say that and just talk about how we all just love performing in general. And then there was some issue in life, and then now we're all getting over it. But continue. Hey, well, that, well, that that's the long and short of it for sure. Because it's like I was I was a theater kid. I loved being on stage. I was in all the musicals. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I also love music, so I was like in bands and stuff when I was younger. So I was always into performing. But I was I was like. Early on, I was like a, you know, back in the day, we're talking like 15 years ago, I was like an improv guy. Like, I, I lo- like when I was like a teenager, I loved UCB and Me stuff. Too. Do you take UCB classes? I've taken all the UCB classes twice. Amazing. Okay, <laughs> so uh, right as the pandemic hit, we're going back to, I guess, what, you know, March 2020. Yeah. I was about to try, like that week, I was trying out for a Lloyd team. Dude, me and, too. <laughs> and our, our 401 class, were you in 401 at that particular time? I had wrapped it by that point. Okay, but I, so yeah. like at that particular time, we were supposed to have... A, a class show, 401 show, like March 17th, yeah. like that Saturday, and then March 15th or March 14th, everything shut down. So, like, Damn. I was right about to, you know, do this class show, take comedy more seriously, start to do more stand-up, yep. and then the pandemic hit, and then I found myself for the next year helping out my dad more so in his company, gotcha. trying to get everything together. But, um, yeah, it was a, such a time in everyone's life, I guess, where you were just like, what the fuck was I supposed to do now? So you took all these classes at UCB and then you got the bug for stand-up comedy or just improv? How'd you transition? Well, so I'm younger, right? Like I started doing improv. I was, I was, I worshiped improv when I was younger and I took the, the first time I took UCB 100 through 400, I was like 20 or something, 21. It was like summer in between college. Or yeah. Something? It was like 2009 or 10 or something. It was a while ago. And at that, and then, you know, I didn't, I didn't make a house team at that time or nothing like that, but I had a, an indie team that I was on, you know, how like they, like you'd start your own team and then you do it at bars and stuff like yeah. that. And so we did that and we had a pretty good show. Even when I was in college too, we had a, um, an improv show called Montclair Improv League and Friends Milf. And it was like pretty popular and stuff <laughs> like that. So I was way into it. Then I'll skip over, but in my twenties, I just kind of forgot about everything and just became a corporate machine. And then I like yearned for more. So I came in 2018, I got back into, I, well, I started doing stand up. So I started doing stand up and do that. I was living out in San Francisco. I'm skipping over a lot of details in my life, but I started out there. Corporate brought you out there. Brought me out there. So I'm living out in San Francisco. I start doing open mics in like 2016. And then I'm like, this is what it's all about. Like I was, I was, I was loving doing stand up. I was, I mean, I, I was the worst you could ever possibly be I'm not saying I'm even good now but back then it was like truly pathetic um but I loved it and so I started doing stand-up then I moved back to New York in 2018 to like pursue stand-up I was like I, I want to do this the most and at that time I was like well what else can I do well I'm gonna I'll take UCB again you know I already did it 10 years ago but like let me do it now that I'm 30 so I take UCB I do 100 through 400 again that's UCB is actually where I met Isaac who's my partner in producing the village idiot um and then we were both like do fuck improv. Like, let's just not do this. Let's focus on stand-up. And then around the pandemic time, like, we... That's that's when I got really, really, really into stand-up. Did you guys put a show together before the pandemic? No. I didn't really know him. Like, like I met him in UCB Improv in, like, 2018 or, and then through 19, I think. And we were, like, friends. I used to have a podcast I don't do anymore. And uh, he came on it. And we were, like, talking about our mutual comedy goals. 
And I encouraged Isaac. I, I like to say, if he's listening, I like to say to do stand up for the first time. I was like, you know, you should, you should do stand up. Stand ups where it's after I got into stand up, I like didn't care as much about improv and stuff like that. I just found it was like the art form I connected to the most. And um, not that I don't care about it, but it's just like I'm just gonna spend all my time focusing on this. And uh, Isaac, I took him to his first open mics, I think I'm saying this correctly, at Laughing Buddha back in like 2019 or something. Yeah. And then he fell in love. I always say I ruined his life because then he fell in love with stand up and then that became all that he did. And um, th- then around the pandemic, we were we were hitting mics and then everything obviously disappeared and then i spent a lot of that time when we first couldn't do anything writing jokes with um my friend dan janine and uh veronica mosey was used to teach a class or i think still teaches at the comedy cellar and she i used to do her workshops and i was writing and then uh then me and isaac just started hitting it and uh that's when everything was still kind of closed but there was all this underground comedy going on and then that's when we started the village idiot like we were like i like to say that we were the um First indoor show in New York City before the clubs reopened. So now you guys have the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, man, the best bar show in Manhattan. <laughs> I appreciate that. Right? Uh, I mean, wouldn't we, you say so with the lineups that you have, with the turnouts that you have? We've been really lo- like blessed, lucky, whatever you want to call it that. Yeah, we've had we've had good lineups because we built these great relationships early on when there was nowhere else to do stand up indoors. Like, and we were doing it legally, it was, like the bars were allowed to be open, but the clubs were closed. So we were, we, we, Oh, huge loophole. That was, that was like in the beginning, we just, we were able to offer stage time and we were able to offer audiences because we, we had audiences that wanted to go out. So it's like, if people didn't want to go out during that time also, but for some reason we were able to attract people that did want to come so out. When kind of was this though? We started the, the first village idiot show was on March. Uh, it was like March 19th, 2021. It was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And uh, or about a year about after a year. the pandemic or into the pandemic, mm-hmm. right when we were like legally able to do so, we had our first show, and we were able to get good lineups because all the co- comics at that time still weren't really at clubs; they were just kind of sitting around. So, and we built all these relationships during that time, and it's just a good venue too because it's like it's kind of like a comedy club. Would I say it's the best? I I think what makes it the best is that I, I what I'm the most proud of about the show is I think that it's a very punk rock show, which and I mean that in the best way possible because I'm into that type of shit, like. It's not always the best in terms of like the show. Like if there's people talking, it, turn, it can turn into a bar very quickly if the comedian loses control of the room. Um, we've been up, we put up with a lot of stuff in that bar. But yeah, overall, it's like, I don't think there's another show like it. It's ruckus, man. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> I actually, I actually went to my first uh, Village Idiot show the other week. And yeah, it was crazy just to see like the comic really has to take control over the crowd. Yeah. I mean, you got the full bar on one side, you have some people kind of paying attention to the right of the column. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what's the craziest thing that I guess has happened there? You know, being that it is a full bar and you must deal with drunk people. Yeah. I mean, the craziest thing that happens is just simply that, you know, people get so drunk and then yell, you know, it's like any show, like they yell or, or stand up and like walk towards the stage and like argue with the comedians. Like they, they don't realize sometimes that there's a difference between like the person standing there with the microphone and them. Cause they, some people still treat it like a bar. Cause the issue is, we take reserva- We take 40 reservations every week. So if you want to have a seat and you have a reservation, you can come in. And we cap it at 40. So people with tickets, they, they're guaranteed an actual seat, but we keep the bar section open for walk-ins. So the people at the bar oftentimes are just people at the bar. They're like, oh, there's a comedy show here tonight, you know? And then they just still act like it's a bar and they can get nuts. So if we have to toss anybody, it's usually the people at the bar. Well, how often does it happen that people are just making reservations and the whole... Uh, bar is reservations. 
Nah, the bar's never reservations. So, so people, you, you guys just keep that part open. The, the bar's open. You want to come chill at the bar? Come chill at the bar. There's always space at the bar. If you have a ticket, you can sit in the seat. You know what I mean? So people just come chill at the bar, and then the bar can get a little nutty, and that's when it gets nutty, and that's when it gets disruptive. But I think the craziest stuff that happens at the show isn't really even like related to that because there are there's been a fair amount of shows where it's 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 a normal show you know what i mean like where it's quiet and everybody's engaged and it's it's not always punk rock and crazy it just can get that way occasionally if things get too ruckus but the craziest stuff that happens is more like like i remember one night early on we were we didn't know much about producing and we had mark norman on the show and you know he was like running super late so he's like i'll be there in 40 minutes but back then i didn't I didn't think about like backup plans or how to manage that type of stuff because I was green. So we were like, all right, cool. Well, Brendan Sagalow is on stage. So let's just keep him on stage. Bre- Brendan was just up there for like 45 minutes, wait, killing time for Mark Norman. And then that wound up being this great crowd work YouTube video that he has now that um, I think is one of his like highest viewed pieces <laughs> of things on YouTube. And it was like the greatest thing ever. It was such a funny set. He Brendan Sagalow is one of my favorite too. comedians. So Did he love that? I think he loved it. Yeah. I don't know if he expressed his love, but I think, uh, I think he did. Yeah. It was 45 minutes, you know, and he, he crushed the whole time. So for us, like moments like that, and someone wrote in the comments on that YouTube video, like, I'm so glad Mark Norman didn't show up so we could see this. And I thought that that was really funny because it's just like, that's the kind of weird stuff that happens at that show. We also have a musical element. So a lot of people like mess with our, we have like a guitar player. Just, yeah. Just talk a little there. bit about that. Cause um, when I was there, there was a piano player. Oh, right. 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 So um, yeah. Andrea Pranzatelli is our other music. We have two musicians. Andrea is like, like the other person that we call, she's fantastic and fabulous. and We love having her, but she's not our house person. Like we call her when Justin Garcia is our main guy. He works with you directly or yeah. works at the bar. No, he works with us directly. And just, well, Justin's also been my, one of my closest friends since uh, high school, middle school. So I've known him my entire life. We used to be in bands together when we were kids. And then we like kind of rekindled our friendship during uh, 2020. And so I had this idea when we started the show, like, let's just have Justin stand there with the guitar. And he basically like, he'll play before the show. He'll like play for, he's a great musician. He'll play for like 20 minutes and then the show will start and then he'll just kind of be standing there and he'll like play whatever comes to his head when the comedians walk out. You know, so for when Isaac comes out, he'll always play something super Jewy. You know what I mean? Like he just said, whatever they look like to him, he plays. Uh-huh. But a lot, like, it's been fun to like a lot of comedians will mess with him. Like they'll, they'll, they'll eat, ask him to play something like someone like Osama Sadiqe will like ask him to play stuff and sing along. Josh Adam Myers, whenever he's on the show, like does like a full blown rock concert with Justin, yeah, yeah, you know? Sure. Um, and but a lot of people just downright insult him. I'll never forget. Jessica Kirsten came on stage and looked at him and was like, you look like, what did she say? Like you're uh you're transitioning right now on stage in front of us, something like that. She says like everybody shits. So it's just a funny job for him. Cause like, Hey, you want to come here and do this job? And like he just basically stands there and gets shit on by people all night long. But it's super fun. And he loves it. Amazing. So. That's like um, at uh, Ted Jones Comedy Show, we have a beatboxer, Dr. Brick, and he comes <laughs> to almost every single show. And in between, like, I'll be like, oh, Andrew Ginsberg. Like, as soon as I say your name and like the 15 seconds that it takes you to walk on stage, he's going. <laughs> <laughs> I love then, that. Like all the comics, seriously, like almost every single comic, unless you see him like actually in the corner beatboxing, everyone's like, holy shit, you're actually doing that. <laughs> and um, oh, un- yeah. So unfortunately at the show that you're doing May 10th, 7 p.m. at the stand. Correct. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Jones comedy show. It's going to be amazing. Dr. Brick actually won't be there. Hell and then yeah. if you guys do want to check out uh, the village idiot at the juke bar, I'm doing it May 11th. May correct? 11th. That's right. May 11th. Amazing. And also, uh, you <laughs> You guys check that out or any other uh, Wednesday throughout the, I guess, throughout the rest of the year, right? You guys do it every Wednesday. Every Wednesday for the rest of our lives. That's great, man. <laughs> so how much time do you do on the show? And then how much time does Isaac do, your partner? Do you guys kind of come up together? How does that work? 
Good question. I think it varies because it's like the purpose. I've always said this is like the purpose of our show is that we do the show so that me and Isaac can get better at stand up comedy. Like we produce the show. Obviously, we've we've we love we do love doing the show. And um, like, obviously, there's other reasons why we do it. But like the main core crux of it is like for us to practice stand up. So like it depends on what we're doing, like each of us creatively. Like like if I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to like do 20 tonight. Like I'm going to close. It's like because I'm working out these longer bits or you know what I mean like that happens you guys do 20 sometimes I did 20 on Wednesday I closed but but I don't do it all the time so that's what I mean it varies like you normally we do seven minutes each seven eight minutes and I'm assuming it also depends like how many comics how many comics sometimes things happen where like someone will like someone it happens where like a bigger comic could come on like sometimes like I think like Ari walked on once and stuff like that where they'll do like yeah yeah, like longer amount of time and then like that just changes things but uh, typically Isaac and I will run like seven to 10 minutes each. We each, we each, uh, we each go up every week, but depending on like what we're working on, I, I, one of us might say like, I'm going to close tonight or I'm going to bite the bullet tonight. Cause like, we want to give ourselves a harder spot. You know what I mean? So it just depends on what, where we're at creatively. Um, most of the comics do about 10 minutes on your show. Yeah. Seven to 10. How yeah. long is the show? Usually hour and a half. I, I really let it go over an hour and a half. That's part of it too. Is like, if I feel like it's going to go over an hour and a half, I'll start shrinking everybody's sets or my set and so like, or I'll eat my time. So like, just because I don't think the show should be longer than an hour and a half, but our specific show like gets nutty after an hour and a half. Like the, the people in the audience are, you know, they're, they're at a crazy bar. So it's like, there's only, so- <laughs> how many people do you usually put on? Do you guys cap it? And then does Isaac pick a, um, like three and you pick three or four? Does that work? No, every single person that we book, uh, is a mutual decision. Like we like debate it with ourselves. Um, we, uh, debate it with each other. Yeah. Sorry. Can't speak. We, uh, we, we debate with, with our, we debate with ourselves. We debate with, we, we debate well, with ourselves. Yeah. And each other. Uh-huh. Uh, we debate with each other about the, about everybody. No, we pick, uh, we pick five comics. Plus us, we don't have proper hosts. Like we just host and then also come back out, which is also kind of a weird thing that we do. Like we just do like a, we come out together up top, yeah. which is like, whatever. Sometimes it's good. Most times it's not great, but like we do it you sometimes together up top. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. We come together up top. We do like a sticky like thing up top and then we bring on the first comic. Sometimes we have guest hosts, but traditionally we have five comics plus us. And we always book a walk on every like, like every like Wednesday we decide like, let's ask some random person to walk on. So we leave like space for someone to come on. Or drop in. Nice, man. I'm very excited to do it. Yeah, May, no, we May can't wait 11th to have you. If you guys are free. Is that May 11th, 5-11. You, you don't start exactly at 7.30, though, but we shouldn't let these guys know. You guys come to 7.30. <laughs> the, the show starts promptly at 7.30. No, <laughs> it's like all comedy shows. Like yeah, yeah. It, it starts uh, plus or minus a half hour after it's supposed to. It's like starts at 7.30. Uh, we usually start the music at 7.30, and then it starts around like 8, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Right, so yeah. where are you living now? I live in the East Village, man. Greatest city in the city. Greatest city in the city. Yeah, great, greatest you, village in the city. Are I you uh, living with anyone or just you? No, I actually live alone, which is cool. Uh, I have like a, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's a modest but cool place, I think. Um, I've been living there for a couple of years. I live over on St. Mark's, if anybody wants to stalk me. Nice. And um, I'm there. Yeah, I live out, I live out. It's been my dream to live where I live actually since I was a teenager. So I know, dude. Eventually, <laughs> I want to be in the East Village. That's where everything is. It's so central. Yeah. I mean, you live in a pretty cool spot, too. Yeah, man, I appreciate <laughs> that. Well, we got, the, we got the studio and the apartment together. Just put these lights. Everything fits just perfectly for me. If I had anyone else living here, yeah. an issue. Well, that's what my apartment's just like kind of a lot. It's actually just like yours where it's like I do all my like uh, streams or whatever I'm doing. Like It's very set up very similarly. Yeah, like dude. It. Talk a little bit about that if you can. 
yeah. All right. So like, all right. I was always way into podcasting since. All right. Let me say this. You might start from the beginning. I don't mean to be. Con- I don't want to be controversial, but like when I was in college again, which was a hundred years ago, because I'm 33, uh, I had a podcast. Was podcast didn't really exist at that time, but I had a live format like sh- show like this with two with me and my partner, this guy John, and we used a program called UStream.TV at that time where you could go live, and it was like 2008 or nine. Is there still a UStream? There is, but it's owned by a, a larger company, and it's not. It's not quite. It's not like what it used to be. It used to be like a live streaming platform back before anybody even cared about that it's stuff. Like right around YouTube days too, right? Right, right, right. Right when YouTube was becoming a thing. We had like, uh, it was called Sabadai Hour. And me and my friend John would go on and we would, we would, uh, we would just read the news and like make fun of what was going on in the world what and stuff like that. Uh, it was just like a way we used to talk about things like, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like, like in Seinfeld where it's like yada, yada, yada. It's like, yeah, like we walked out of the bar and Sabada, this guy showed up and Sabada. We used to say that all the time. So it just became Sabada hour. Um, so that, but we did that for a bit. And then when I moved to California, which was in 2014, I moved across the country. John stayed in New Jersey and we started a podcast called why that's funny that we used to do remotely. Like I used to, and we used to catch up on each other's lives and on the world and on the news. And I did that podcast for four years. It was, it was moderately, I would say it was moderately popular. There was times when it was like, it was pretty well listened to over the years for us, at least like what we thought. Where would people listen to it though? It was on like iTunes and you know, Apple and, uh, I think this is before Spotify even. Because well, I'm kind of wondering how people would ingest podcasts back then. Like, would it be through their phone or they'd like have to whip out their computer and go on the website? I would say that this was the time, geez, like 2015. I mean, that was when Apple Pod was the number one podcast platform. And, and it was like 3% of what Apple cared about. You know, nobody, they could care less about it. But there was big podcasts in 2014. I mean, Mark Maron's podcast was number one on the charts. Joe Rogan was still around, you know, number one, on, number one and plus two on the charts, whatever. So like podcasting was the thing, but I think like Stitcher and uh, Apple podcasts and like, the, like even Pandora, I think like they were running the RSS feeds then. And it was, I think when Spotify came in, they wanted to be like the new player in podcast and they started expanding it. So there was podcasts around and we were, they, we would, we would promote it exclusively through Twitter at that time. Like Twitter was more of a place where you would discover that kind of content. And we did that. We did that for years. Then, then that thing broke up. I'm getting to the podcast I do with Isaac now. And then I just was like, I broke up with John, the podcast stopped. Um, and then I was lost. I did a, I did a single person show called real people podcast, which was just me during the pandemic where I was just interviewing people, and which was cool. Like I had some great guests, like I'm very proud of like the content that I created, but, um, it just didn't feel right. Cause it wasn't funny. The show was very serious. Uh, like, cause I was going through stuff. I was quitting drinking. I was, so I was having these like serious conversations with people about life and it, it was cool for the time period, but it wasn't something that I could see myself doing forever. Cause I doing video stuff back then. No, nah, no video stuff. Um, it was all, always all audio. And now this thing I'm doing with Isaac is like, it's, I, I now I, we have this dream of doing like a late night live show. My personal dream for it is that like we go live on Twitch and we're, we're talking and people call in, but my hope is that weirdos start to call in from all over the country. That's like what I want to have like this weird show that's on late at night where it's like, you know, the vibes are like mellow and there's lava lamps everywhere. And we're, we're talking about crazy stuff and people like, will just call in cause they're up. So a <laughs> kind of like a um, a less scripted version of a Crank Yankers, but Crank Yankers is like fake phone calls. Yeah, but we're but not making... I just want the crazy the, people I just want the crazy... I, they don't have to be crazy. I just want people to call in because they're like... I'm like, I think when we first conceptualized it, the dream was that for me in my head was that like some truck driver would be driving down I-95 in the middle of the night listening 
and calling in. So like we have the Twitch feed so you can watch the video element of it, but I'd like to have it like somewhere else. Like, like I said, it's very much in pilot phase. So now we go live every two Saturdays and we do it on Twitch. It's called who's up. Uh, you can follow us at village idiot comedy on Twitch and at what time by the way, 11 PM on Saturday nights. Yeah. Who's up with the Bergs. And, uh, we just kind of chat and people do call in, but right now it's like, Oh, the Bergs. I love yeah. it. It's Isaac Gutenberg. Gardenberg. Gardenberg, excuse me. And then your last name, Ginsburg. Ginsburg. Yeah. So we're the uh, Ryan O'Toole. You know who he he is? I know the name. Yeah. He's like a, he's not a Boston comic. He's a New York comic, but he's a guy from Boston. He coined us the Bergs. So now uh, we've always called ourselves the Bergs since uh, Ryan told us that. But so we're just kind of getting this thing rolling. We haven't promoted it widely yet. We've been doing it since January as like a pop-up show. And people who call in are typically other comics because we're not promoting it. Like it's too much, but we're gonna start soon, and that's like the new project. Is where like, are you, where are you guys recording it? In my apartment, I have a very similar setup in my apartment to what you've got here. So uh, streaming everything, streaming. Um, yeah, we just do it in my apartment. You uh, watch YouTube at all? No, <laughs> should I? Well, I was, just, I was just curious as to how you kind of got into the idea of oh. uh, you know focusing on on Twitch. Oh, I haven't heard that a lot except for gamers really doing that. Yep, people it, who have like a massive presence, I guess, on YouTube would switch it over to Twitch or something like that. Yeah, Twitch is a massive exclusively, I think, almost gaming platform right now. I don't play video games. I haven't played a video games since 1998. But like I uh, the thing is, I'm my biggest influence, I think, talk show wise, like radio wise is Howard Stern because I grew up with my dad lit, blasting it in the house 24 seven. And I and that's kind of where my heart is in terms of like what can I do that's like we, like funny and edgy and late night? And like, I know that Howard Summer is a morning show, but like, you know, the edginess of it, like the call in nature of it, the, the skits where you're calling in recurring characters, like that's what I've always wanted to do. And we chose Twitch because during the pandemic, like I used Twitch for things that weren't gaming. Like, like a lot of my favorite bands were doing concerts on Twitch. Like when you couldn't go to a concert on like a Saturday night, I would just watch a concert because there was nothing else to do. And I was like, to me, it's like a skate to where the puck is going type of thing. Like, I have this weird belief. I don't know I, that in like 10 years, it'll be normal to just consume events on Twitch or to look for um, like content that isn't video game related on Twitch, like have a show on Twitch that is like you have this platform that's excellent for live streaming that you can easily set up and create your own show, like a TV style show if you want to with the, with the best bandwidth for sound output and it's only used by video gamers. But, like, there's no reason why everybody else can't get on board. Like, I just think that that'll go there eventually. I love that. We're just going <laughs> to uh, clip back to this, like, five years ago. And you're going to post this on your <laughs> yeah. page. It's going to be amazing. Uh, have you thought about putting your comedy show on a Twitch type of situation? Dude, yeah. We just don't. Live streaming live shows? We don't know what to do. It's, uh, it's a good. We have thought about that. We, we, we thought about, like, what can we be. Like, how can we merge the village idiot with the internet? Basically, we don't really do that in any way. Like, there's no, there's no TikTok. There's no reels. There's no, um, like, and there's a lot of funny stuff that happens. Like, not that we'd want to put up stand-up people's stand-up routines. Obviously, nobody would want us to do yeah, that. That's also something that would be an issue, I would think. Yeah, they, but, but me and Isaac's stuff, we could. And especially our weird hosting bits or things that happen with Justin. Like, there's elements of the Justin Musician. Like, there's elements of the show that we could be, like, putting up. But no, I haven't thought about what to do with it exactly yet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting balance, and I'm you know, very curious to see how people move forward with this new age of technology and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you mentioned the metaverse. Like, you've heard of, like, uh, people doing, like, you know, virtual spots. Like, there's, like, apparently there's virtual like, comedy clubs. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> like comedy clubs in the metaverse. I don't really yeah. know how, how that could work, but, like, 
I mean, imagine we're just putting on our sets here. You and I host a show together in front of freaking 500 avatars. <laughs> I mean, like when we want to go pee, we just take off our headset, go pee. Yeah. Um, I mean, that could be really cool, but I'm super interested to see how that happens. You it's, know? it's hard to fathom, but I, th- I think it's happening. Like the, the thing about the, like, I'm not like a big like metaverse guy. just want to clear that. I'm not going to stand here and be like, dude, you got to get into this NFT. Like, I don't know anything about it. But what I will say is this. In 2015, I took a like I just I saw an advertisement for a virtual reality like tour of all the different sets that like Oculus and this was in 2015, and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this like lab and you could try every virtual reality that existed at the time. What do you mean? This is like a, you went to a building and they had yeah they, it was like an exhibit almost and they and they had them all but it was like interactive like you could try every headset they showed you how to use it. And it was just like, if you want to see what's going on with virtual reality, it was free. And it was like, it was in San Francisco somewhere. So there's a bunch of dorks out there and they thought that stuff was cool, you know? So I remember being floored in 2015. I haven't tried it since then of how ridiculously accurate and like how real it felt to be in. Like, I think I was in like a virtual simulation of a kitchen. So this one game was like, I was learning how to cook like an omelet or something. But I, I really was, I really was like, this is, I'm bugging, man. Like I'm there. You know what I mean? That, and so I, to me... If we're saying that, like, there's going to be a virtual comedy club, like, I, I get how that would work. Like, I, I see it. It's, I'm opposed to it, sort of, because it's unnatural and feels weird to put, you know, download myself into the metaverse. But I, it could happen, man. Like, you know, I know that there's people already doing it. And, like, just from that experience of, like, how awesome VR is, like, it's possible. I wonder what it's going to fully change, though. Because those big headsets, uh, they don't, yeah, they're, expe- they're not. They're not like appetizing to me. And yes, of course, it's uh, expensive. The ad, the average person isn't going to have like a you know a two thousand dollars setup to get into the VR. That's the problem. Is the barrier to entry with that stuff is like it's not. Gonna, you can't have a virtual comedy club if you need to buy tons of equipment to get in. You know what I mean? But I think over time, like everything, as technology evolves, it becomes cheaper because it becomes more uh, widely produced. Are you like a big Bitcoin or Ethereum advocate? No. Uh, I'm not into that stuff. Uh, not that I'm not into it. I, I'm not an advocate. I, I have an, like a, a lack of caring of that kind of thing just because uh, I just don't care like to, to occupy my brain using it, like thinking about it. Because I don't really just don't care. You know, that's all I would say. I'm not opposed to it, though. I'm not like one of those people like, if you like that stuff, you're a jerk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and, and it's cool. I think it's cool. Like, it, I get it. Like, blockchain, all that stuff. It's cool. Uh, I think thinking about the future is interesting. I don't. I just don't care because, like, if my brain was like a pie chart, I can only think about so many things. Seventy percent of it's comedy, and then I got I got to spend some time thinking about like I don't know spicy noodles. Like I don't know what else. <laughs> go, my cat, street. yeah, yeah. So uh, talking <laughs> talking about comedy taking up a uh, large amount of time. Fuck, I just forgot the question. We're gonna edit this part. I was talking about. I was talking about my the pie chart of my brain. Yeah. 70% comedy, 10, 10% spicy my, noodles. <laughs> pie chart my brain lost that one. Uh, how comfortable are you on stage in terms of how many minutes, if somebody were to put you up on there for stage, you talk about Sagalo doing 45 minutes, you doing 20 minutes the previous Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. How mm. much time do you think you're comfortable with on stage? Dude, it's so weird, man. It's like, like I did... I've successfully done... 20 minute spots in the past. Like I did a 20 minute spot on a show up in Newburgh that, uh, Paul Valdez Rodriguez put me on. And that was a hot show. I mean, that was a hot show. It was the night before Thanksgiving and stuff like that. I've done 20 on village idiot a a zillion times. Like if I close and stuff like that, I've never really done more than 20. I have enough material to do more than 20. I don't know if it'd be funny. Um, but 
The thing is, I feel like where I'm at creatively with comedy is that things like, first of all, I don't know if I've totally found my voice yet. So it's like, I change what I'm doing a lot. Like I continue to like hate what I did like two months ago or three months ago. And I don't think I'm there yet. So it's like, I guess the, the answer to your question is like, I could do some, a, a bunch of time, I have a zillion story. I do a lot of storytelling and stuff. They're long stories. Like, you know, like I could do a bunch of time and it might get laughs, but I'm not, I'm not like satisfied with where I'm at. So I'm, I'm like, I'm always like trying to think like, what am I supposed to be doing up here? I just don't know if I've hit that yet. Well, since you're doing a spot once a week, I mean, at least at your show, how often do you think you're changing the material? Like how, uh, similar is the material from the Wednesday before to that Wednesday? Mm, it depends on what happened. Like, it's like, here's a good, here's a good case study of what can happen. Right. So, uh, 2022 starts and I'm like, I'm like, I, I was off to a really good creatively, like I, I unblocked this year. I'm, I'm writing all the time and I'm, I'm like, Oh man, I'm, I'm, I got all kinds of ideas and I'm try, I have the village idiot. So I'm like able to try new stuff all the time. And, um, and I'm feeling good and I'm doing these spots, I'm doing shows and everything's going well. You know, I'm like, I'm getting laughs. I'm not bombing at all for the first few months of the year. I had like, like many good spots. Then we did a show in Chicago. I, I, uh, Isaac and I wanted to do a show on the road. So we go, we, idiot we did a village idiot show in Chicago at, uh, on tour brewing company in Illinois and great hot show. Like we sold like a lot of tickets, like 80 plus tickets. We brought New York guys, Dan Janine, Nick Tolelli came with us. Um, and then we had half Chicago comics. Jess Levin hosted it. It was, it was an awesome night. I go up and this is like coming off after weeks of, of hot shows. Like, and like, I'm like, and I got into a place mentally where I was like, this, this is it. Like I'm finding it. It's working. I can do, Oh, you want me to do a half hour? Like, you know, and I go up there and just bomb, like bomb. So bad. It was easily the worst bomb I've ever had in my whole, my whole comedy career, I think so far. So I was like, and then I, I, then you're just humbled again. Like, it's just like back down to like, I left there just being like, no, I don't know. I still, what do you think, <laughs> do you think was different though about that set and the hot sets that you had? Well, that's great. That's what, that's what I mean. Like what was different about it was like that, I, like I said, I'm still uncovering like what I'm even trying to, like, what am I trying to say? You know, like what are my premises? Like, like what am I trying to say about myself? So I think there, uh, a, I didn't, I, I, I just made some like, I had some issues up top, like technical issues. Something was wrong with the mic. And then I like got flustered by this, like some stuff like that. Then I just kind of like, I did, I tried to do some crowd work and like, I just kind of like had like a, it was like weak. And then I just kind of like, kind of like, they just weren't bought into my stories. And a lot of what my jokes are are stories. So what I was searching for, I listened back to the set about 10,000 times and you can hear in the recordings, like what I'm searching for is like a, one, two, like set up punch, set up punch, like try to get people back on my side, but I don't have that. I'm missing a lot of that stuff because I just have all these long stories. So it's like, oh, you don't like this bit? Well, let me tell you another long story. And it's like, I'm like, dude, I need, I gotta go back and write a type five. And that, that was kind of like where I was at coming back from that. So like over the last couple months, I've been now writing shorter, like quick, quick things that I can have to like blast people with laughter so that I can come back if that starts to happen again. And now I'm kind of coming back again. Like, but if that experience hadn't happened, I wouldn't have looked at my material that way. So it's like, that's what I mean by like, I don't, I don't know where I'm at. Like, I'm still kind of uncovering things. You know what I mean? And it's all new to me because what worked for me in the past before I quit drinking and stuff was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're fucked up. Me too. Like, let's drink. But like, and that's fine, but that's not who I am. So now I'm like, now that I'm not talking about that. Now that's not my personality. It's like, who am I? And the stuff that I'm writing, I'm, I'm happy with it, but 
it's just, it's still like, it's like opening up like a flower, I feel like. And I just, um, every time I go on stage, I learn something new about it. I don't know. In comedy, are you looking to get to an hour or what are you kind of looking to do right now? <laughs> That's a good question. I'd like to be able to, to have like a set, like a 15 to 20 minute set that I've memorized completely yeah, that, that I, really <laughs> you know what I mean? That I do the same way every, every time. Like you asked the, the way you started this question, I didn't even answer it. was like, you asked like, does it change week to week? Like, yeah, like, like right now I'll do, you know, if you know how it is, like you have a set and it works and it like kills harder than it ever killed. You're like, I'm going to do it like that every time, but then I'll do it like that again. And I'm like, well, it didn't go the same way. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I feel like there's still a lot of those variables in my set where I'm like, depending on the audience and how I'm feeling, I'm changing, I'm adding lines, I'm changing things. But like, I'd like to like go on stage and be like, here's 15 minutes of material. I just say the same every time and I know it's going to work. And it's like, so that's, I'd like to get there. I have a sense of that. And like, it's not like I do different jokes. Like I, I have that, but it's not, it's not to a science. I'd like to get there first. You find that your show at, um, juke bar is different than other comedy clubs just because the environment is, I don't want to say taxing. I mean, it's yeah, so no, it's taxing than any other place. So, like, are you? I mean, are you more conservative at Juke Bar than you are at a show that wouldn't be that loud and everybody's super focused? at you? How do you kind of feel it's different? Like in doing your show and then coming to the stand, how do you see it being different? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Well, I think that the 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 opportunity to do things at, at a crazy place like the Juke Bar makes me better when I get to go do something like at the stand, uh, like because we. At the, at the juke bar, we're often fighting the audience. Like you, every joke is your chance to win them over again. It's very hard to get rolling laughs, like to just be killing. Like it's very joke to joke very often. Like I'm getting a joke, I'm laughing. They don't like my next joke, they hate me. I got to get them back. Okay, I'm back, you know? And it's like people talking, there's issues and this and that. And like, you know, you know when you go to like, I say this sometimes where you go to like, you go to like a hot show. Like, and sometimes our show is like this, but like not all the time, but I'm like probably at the stand probably at a club, you know, people, it's, if it's a Friday night show at a club and people bought tickets and they're ready to go out and they're excited and they're drinking and it's not Wednesday and they, have, they don't have work the next day. And it's like, you come on stage and you say the same dumb shit. Like sometimes I'll say the same dumb shit I always say and it's just murders. And I'm like, oh, there's a hot crowd. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that when I get to really enjoy that, like just getting up there and be like, oh, you guys just think I'm funny. So here I go. And I get to have a good set. That wouldn't be possible without all the bullshit that I put up with and put myself through, through the village idiot. Because, like, that can be, it can be such a battle to get the laughs there that, like, sometimes I feel like it makes you better when you yeah, get to go do it at, like, easy. a professional environment. You know, not that it's easier, but it's, it's, it's easier to swim in. Like, like, I can get into a groove when I'm in, like, a really, like, a normal stand-up fun environment. Whereas, like, I, I feel like sometimes at Village Idiot, I'm fighting for my life. Especially because I do it every week. Like, guys like you or other people that come on the show, people are stoked to see. They don't see you all. We have a lot of recurring people and stuff. So every week, I'm going out and doing my, you know, they know me. I'm there every week. And it's like, how do I keep it fresh for the audience? Like, how do, you know, I can't do my stuff that works every week because they know all of my jokes. A lot of these people have seen me a bazillion times. So it's like, that's part of it too. It's like, how do you, you, you just put yourself through the, the ringer, man. Do you find that you feel like you have to kill every single Wednesday? At your show? No, I, in fact, I always say lately, my, I, <laughs> in the beginning, I used to want to kill all the time. Like, I used to be like, I'm not going to bomb my own show, man. Like, I would always do my tightest stuff because I didn't want people to. My worst fear is people would be like, these guys, Village Idiots, like, they have a, they have a, a popular show, but they can't do stand up. Like, they're like, they're fake. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So, in the beginning, but now, 
I don't give a shit. Like, I'll, I'll try new stuff I've never said before at the Village Idiot. I'll bomb all the time at the Village Idiot. I do not care. Because when I get an opportunity to do something at the stand or do something at another show that I really respect, like, that's when I'll bring my A game. Like, the Village Idiot is for me to, to, to mess around. You know, we have a great show. You'll see a good show. We book great comics. You want to see Brendan Sagalow? You want to see, you know, Mark Norman? Do you want to see, like, we book great people. So enjoy them. But I'm going to come on and try new. I don't care anymore. I'll just bomb. Because that helps me get so much better, so much faster. I'm doing this this year specifically. I've been doing a lot of weird new stuff, even like new stuff, like on like new, sh- just new ways of presenting information, like my jokes and stuff like that. I'm always trying different things. That's like now become like where I experiment. What are you looking forward to the most over the next few months? I guess throughout the summer, because that's when I guess comedy shows really do get hot and people want to be out and laughing and drinking all the time. <laughs> well, what do I look forward to in the next few months? Yeah, career wise for you. Career wise. Okay. So, uh, well, for Village Idiot, uh, we liked we are going to expand to doing road shows. So it's like we'll have it. We do a weekly Monday at the Mayfly, a weekly Wednesday at the at the Juke Bar, uh, and we'll always do that for the rest of our lives. And then we want to take the show on the road. So like go to like Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on like a Saturday night and just do a show there. Or like so we're planning a bunch of those types of shows this summer. So that'll happen because I want to get some experience on the road. Um, and over the next few months, I'd like to have what you just described, like a, a really tight 15 to 20 minute set that I, I do places that I'm happy with that people can relate to. And, um, I'd like to, I don't know if I, for me, it's all about the material. Like I'm not looking to like be a famous comedian or blow up on, you know, you might, people always say to me, you don't post any clips. It's like, I'll post clips when I think there's something worth showcasing is kind of how I feel about it. I'm just not ready. Um, and I'm really hard on myself in that regard. And, uh, I think by the end of the summer, I hope that I'm like, not in this place where I'm like, you know, it's like, I'd like to have stuff that I'm, I mean, I am proud of all my jokes and like, I think I'm even being a little bit nutty in what I'm saying right now and like overcritical about certain things. But by the end of the summer, I, I like, I'd like to village it to be even more popping. I'd like my material to be a little ironed out a little bit more and less philosophical. And I'd like to be thinking about ways that I could get more time in clubs. Cause we don't do, I don't do much time in clubs. Like I do, I do a lot of bar shows. I do our own show do whatever crazy show behind a dumpster that people will book me on. I do club spots when they're offered to me, which is very rarely, but I'd like to be position myself in a more professional environment. I would say, well, I think the trajectory that you're going on, man, it sounds great, dude. I mean, you lost fucking 80 pounds, right? That's like, uh, that's 40. Step, well, that, anyway, that's step one, man. I mean, that's some of the hardest thing people could do. It's control what they eat. Yeah. I'm sure your career is going to keep going in a trajectory that is um, upwards, man. And Andrew, seriously, thank you so much for coming on the Ted, Ted Jones, Jones World you're, Podcast. You're an absolute uh, animal, man. I love thank you, dude. You, I'm, gl- I'm glad I ran into you that Me day. Me too, dude. This was super fun. And Andrew, I think we first met at like an open mic probably at the stand years ago. I don't know if you yeah. remember. It was with like Daniel Janine. I do remember. Like that. I, I, I remember meeting you and then not talking to you for a while. And I follow your uh, your stuff on, uh, you know, your uh, Ted Jones world and all that stuff. I think cool. I've always liked that, that stuff. I thought it was cool. Amazing, so, dude. yeah, Thank yeah. You so much. So yeah. we'll see Andrew May 10th, 7 p.m. at the stand. And if you guys want to check out the juke bar, check that out any Wednesday and uh, follow your Instagram, man. Shout but specifically May 11th, follow for Ted Jones. Yes. And uh, yeah, we're at the Village Idiot on Instagram. Follow us uh, weekly shows every Wednesday and every Monday at the Mayfly. Check and, us out. And your uh, Instagram account, shout it out. Oh, my Instagram account is uh, at just at Insta Ginsburg, G-I-N-S-B-E-R-G. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you, you next time. See you Peace. soon. Thank you.